0: Hi everyone, welcome back to Valkyries After Dark. I'm Haley.
1: I'm Maddie. I'm Abby.
0: Today, we have the lovely Elle May. You may know her from her work, such as the Winterfell Academy series, which I've just started and absolutely loving, her Other World series, The Ties That Bind Us, and many others. Um, So, Elle, why don't you give us a little introduction to yourself, tell the people who you are, anything fun and exciting?
2: Yeah, of course. Um, so, like you said, my name is El May, um, or at least my pen name is El May. My real name is Alyssa. <laughs> I also write under the pen name Eden Rose. Um, I mostly write queer paranormal romance, um, or this one spicy contemporary so far. Um, that's pretty much me. I grew up. I was born and raised in Southern California, Los Angeles. Never left here. Yeah, <laughs> rep R- Southern California. Um, besides that. I like to travel. I love cats. I like to drink a lot of coffee. Um, And that's pretty much it. I'm just really excited to be here and talk
0: to you guys. We are so excited to have you on. You are actually our first author interview. So Aww. we are beyond honored to have you. And <laughs> I'm honored uh, to be the first. It's a milestone <laughs> for both of us. And you're also a fellow West Coaster. These two lovely ladies live in the Midwest and East Coast. I'm up in NorCal in Sacramento. So I'm like, hello, California
2: girl. I actually actually just visited the Bay Area not long ago. I was driving up to see family uh, to Oregon and it's way nicer in the Bay Area. (laughs) Yeah, I'm from
0: Pacifica, like right by San Francisco. So I grew up there and yeah, awesome.
1: So I guess kind of our first question is um kind of more on like the author side so what is your like daily life look like Mm -hmm. as an independent author and doing that kind of stuff
2: yeah so I usually like to say that I'm kind of like a part-time author because I still have a nine-to-five which I love and I probably don't like plan on leaving soon but you know as I discovered how much I like to write, you know, I decided to pick that up. So sometimes my day to day can get pretty busy. Um, I wake up at 6 a.m. and I just go straight to writing for a few hours. And then after that, when it is time to actually start my work day, um, I work and I try and put all my focus on my nine to five. Of course, that doesn't always work, especially when we're like working at home uh, because I work at home the time so i'm constantly near my computer near my writing and social media but i try and focus on that and then after work i spend time with my wife my partner and we kind of just relax for the rest of the day and then if i do have some more things that i want to write or more things that i want to do i'll write again and this really varies too depending on how close i am to a release date Um, because sometimes i don't have to write at all and those are really great days honestly because writing Uh, tends to take up a lot of my time, but also marketing and talking to beta readers and getting arc readers. And I also have like a Patreon that I'm on very often. So a lot of this takes a lot of my time. Um, So during the weekdays, I can't spend as much time on this whole process as I would like, especially as we get closer to publishing. Um, Usually my weekends are when I fully like immerse myself in the writing process I can spend time with like you guys and connecting with readers and those are yeah that's usually what I do for the day-to-day but weekends are definitely my favorite right now
1: (laughs) right yeah um so and that must seem like it's like pretty busy right now especially since you do have like an upcoming release
2: yeah so My goal in my publishing career is to always be three releases ahead, which is definitely not what's happening right now. Um, I am only one release ahead. And right now, since it is February, like you said, I am getting ready for all the publishing stuff. I'm going to be getting my edits back um, to like this week i think and then after that i have to batch a bunch of social media content whether that's on like instagram or tiktok uh, i've been trying to be more on tiktok so um that takes a lot of time as well so yeah this month is going to be really time consuming but i also have to finish a book that i'm writing now or like rewriting so there's just a lot of stuff happening this month
1: yeah i absolutely love your tiktoks they're just the most entertaining <laughs> they thank you
2: thank I, you when
1: they pop up i'm always just like dying by the
2: Thank end. You. of them. Thank you. I was so nervous to begin it at first. Cause like before I was an author, like I wasn't really on social media or like I was, but not often and i wasn't really showing my face like that i was just posting like one or two pictures on instagram and then when i fully started to get in tick tock uh, it became easier but still sometimes it's like hard to get myself in there i'm like like most auth- authors i'm an introvert so it's really hard for me to actually put myself on tick tock but i'm glad that you guys are liking it and i do see you interact so thank you i appreciate that
0: <laughs> well that, i definitely feel that because we just posted a tick tock on our tick tock where it was like as z- emotional reactions to finishing cr- the mm-hmm. Crescent City novel and we were all just- literally
3: pictures and videos of everyone sobbing <laughs>
0: yeah and I was like I I'm the ugliest crier ever but it got us like I'm an 4, ugly crier. Years, So I was like you know sacrifices I guess no I know I'm an ugly crier and the
2: funniest thing about TikTok is like when I either look the worst or it's like nothing planned or like my transitions suck like they tend to do the best. And so I think that was also a learning thing for me, which is like TikTok doesn't really care if you look horribly. And usually that does really well. So it's just yeah. something that I need to get over as well.
3: Yeah. And I think there's definitely that like learning curve, which is kind of like crazy and then self confidence. Mm-hmm. And yeah. It kind of just you have to do it even if it's <laughs> it's better just put something out there than right. Than nothing exactly.
2: Yeah, and it's definitely something you have to build up to. I mean, no one's perfect at it at first, but I think as long as you put yourself out there and get yourself used to it, you'll be fine. Yeah.
3: I guess I'm curious too. I know you had mentioned that, um, like you obviously have a nine to five. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm curious what the process for you of, of deciding to turn um, kind of your love for writing into mm-hmm. um, you know, published works and, and you know, putting that out there. Yeah.
2: Yeah. So I, (laughs) it started when I was in high school, I guess my love for writing. um, I didn't think it'd actually go anywhere because I didn't plan to go to college for writing. And of course I didn't know much about anything um, when it came to writing when I was in high school. So I've always really liked to write. And then I just kind of fell out of it as I had to get out of high school I had to find a job go to college I got married and like none of that stuff none of writing was like in my mind at all I was just focused on like other life stuff that I had to do I had bills to pay and all that kind of stuff um but as I got older um I found jobs that like paid more and that were like less time consuming than it was working at a place like Starbucks, which I worked at for like two years. Um, And I couldn't really do much outside of that, especially when you're- That retail life. That retail life, hustling to make money, um, make ends meet. And so when I finally did get to like a job that paid me Better and I had more time. Um, I decided to get back into reading first, actually, because at that time I didn't read for years and I was a huge fan fiction person. And so, like, I actually started getting back to reading through fan fiction and then started getting more uh, paperbacks. I got a Kindle not long ago. And so, I'm just, yeah, but sorry, sidetrack. So, after, <laughs> I I <started> side <laughs> after I started sidetrack, after I started reading, um, the pandemic hit. And I was forced to work at home. And so my commute, which takes two hours um, to get to work uh, there and back. So once that was cut, I was just at home, like all the time. And we couldn't go out because of COVID. And my wife and I were just at home all the time and there's only so many board games you can play uh, with each other honestly (laughs) and so we're like we have to find a hobby and I was like I'm just gonna start writing um and then I really thought I was gonna traditionally publish but after like researching what goes into traditionally like published novels versus indie published and like some of my friends on like YouTube maybe you've seen them like Katie Wismer uh, she was one of the first indie authors that I like saw on YouTube and I was like I think I think I can do this I was like I have enough time to do it now and so I might as well try and then after I published my first book I was like oh I think I should do more of this. And then when I saw it actually working and people getting excited about what I was writing, that's when I was like, oh, I think I'm going to try and turn this into something full-time at some point. That I was long. a
3: lot of people but... have had similar experiences in, in lots of different areas through their pandemic, which, you know, has mm-hmm. sucked. Yeah. But, you know, it's nice to see that good things still have come out of it.
2: Right. And it makes you really think about like, life and what you want to do with your life. I know a lot of people have been like kind of rethinking what they want to do. And that goes into like a lot of people quitting their nine to five and like pursuing more creative things. And so I think it's also just with the change of times, like a lot of people are going for that now. And so I don't feel as self-conscious or as worried to go for it myself. And my partner like supports me a lot. Um, She doesn't read any of my books, but she supports it. (laughs) And so that's what matters. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like I'm not going to read it, but good for you. I'm talking to you. Right.
2: Exactly. She'll actually read the acknowledgments to see if she's mentioned, which she has mentioned on a few of them. And then she won't read anything else. That is but so I funny. And I love, I love
1: that energy.
0: That's like a lot of my friends with my, with the podcast is they're <laughs> like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Cause I haven't read a book in like six years, but like love the energy, love the following. Your yeah. And they're like. <laughs> woohoo you know they listen to like the intro episode because you know there was like mm-hmm. no specific books mentioned or like you know mm-hmm. where we're having like really indie like plot d- discussions mm-hmm. about certain books they're like love the energy no idea what you're talking about <laughs> that's <But funny. laughs> I definitely see like two like indie publishing and like self-publishing as mm-hmm. well as like becoming a huge thing amongst like authors because mm-hmm. I mean we discussed this in like one of our previous episodes about like more like genres and like the effects it's having on like how books are being mm-hmm. sold and whatnot is like they're not giving like these amazing especially like I feel like it's more focused around like queer romances mm-hmm. or queer fantasy novels like yeah. they're not giving them the chance to be like traditionally published when you know they're getting like shot down when they're actually like some of the most amazing dynamic world building you know relationships like enemies to lovers you know like they're amazing novels and I see this on like you know like um, a lot mm-hmm. on book talk with like I know like Piper CJ she just published you know Self-published her novel and it's like one of the best-selling novels Mm -hmm. on like Barnes and Noble right now. And like, I think I know her name's like Brandy. She's self-publishing a novel too. And so it's like so amazing to see all these authors who should like if they didn't have the opportunity to self-publish, like Mm -hmm. getting the chance to like do all these great things and gain all this traction. Mm So I love that you were able to do that. And like, I totally agree that (laughs) the pandemic has put like a lot of things in perspective. And that's how I (laughs) fell back into my love of reading and now I have a book podcast like don't know how that happened but here we are and I'm loving <laughs> <He said> it <laughs> so that's exactly what happened yeah. <laughs> I up, like a uh,
2: Dramoni fan fiction like after years and I was like yep going into it <laughs> it's I'm literally reading one right
0: now right in the yeah which one are you guys reading which one are you reading I'm reading R- remain nameless right now
3: I know um, Kenzie who's not on this one has been reading bring him to his knees and that uh, one Man- mm, that one's
0: diddlyumptious
1: oh yeah i i'll be in the our like chat that we have and all of a sudden i just see some like fan art pop up from some <laughs> kind of fan thing, and i'm like i haven't read it but it looks great <laughs>
2: it looks great i don't know what it is about draco malfoy but like timeless i don't know draco malfoy something about him
1: yeah it's like a whole <laughs> it's a whole mood <laughs> just that one exactly um
3: and I guess like speaking of self-publishing, I know a lot of our listeners um, are you know, interested in writing and kind of exploring different publishing routes. What What did that exploration process look like for you? And like if you had to give someone like tips and tricks, like what would you, what would you tell them?
2: Yeah. So I think it boils down to a few things, which is like one which is what you hear a lot is like how much control do you want to be in? Because one of the main drivers for a lot of indie authors that I talk to is that once you put your book out there and it gets picked up by a traditional publisher, like there's a lot of things that can change that are out of your control. Um, It can be either the cover, it can be the blurb, how they market it. Sometimes I've even heard about people trying to scrap a lot of the big things that the writer wanted. And of course, if you find like an agent and a publishing uh, house that is really like open to your idea and wants to make it work how you see it. Like, I think that's totally great, but most of the time, you know, we don't really hear that. And so one of it with the control is if you do want a lot of control and you want to be able to buy the cover you want, you want to be able to market it the way that you want. If you want to write the queer story of your dreams, you know, without having to go through millions of agents or queries to get it out there, then that's a big um, part. But also- for me, like it sounds kind of bad, but I'm like really impatient. And so that was kind of like the driver when it came to self-publishing because I writ—I wrote my book, right? And the first book that I I wrote, it took me so long to write it. Like I underestimated how long it takes to write a book. Like now I write my books fairly quickly, but the first time I had no idea what I was doing. Um, like I didn't follow a great structure. And so it took me a really long time. And then As I was going through and like editing it or like looking at how to query, I just realized how long it's going to take for me to get this book out there. And a lot of the traditionally publishing like books you'll see won't come out for like two or more years. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I don't have... Time for that. Like, I don't want to wait for that. And for me, too, at the end of this, I do want it to be my full time income. Um, of course, like I said, I have a job that I really love. So I'm not looking to quit it anytime, but the dream, right, would be to have it replace my full time income. And I know that I couldn't do that with traditionally publishing, especially how like the payments are scheduled and just like how hard it is to get like break into that as a queer author. So those are yeah. some of the things that I thought. But I also don't want it to scare away people who want to traditionally publish because even at some point down the road, I know I wanna be a hybrid author, which means I do want at least one of my books traditionally published. And it's a milestone for a lot of people and like a lot of people reach for that. So I think the only thing that I would say to people who are you know, looking is to one, like keep the control thing in mind, like how fast do you want this out? And like, is this something that you think you can upkeep? Um, and are you okay with it being like self-published? Because a lot of the time uh, people still look down on self-published works. And so self-publishing isn't easy, but if you're willing to like push it through and you know that like you're happy with what you're writing and you wanna make this like a long-term thing, I would say go for it. And honestly, like if you just go for it, you find out it's not your thing, it's okay, you can unpublish it. (laughs) Like as long as you try it and work it out, I think that's like the most important thing is just try it before you totally scrap it.
3: I think too it's really interesting the control piece you bring up because kind of in the age of TikTok and social media in general I find a lot of the ways I find books is not through like how I used to which was strolling, you know Barnes and Noble it's mm-hmm. seeing the authors posts on TikTok or on Instagram mm-hmm. and I see a lot more content coming out from independent authors than I do from authors who traditionally publish right
2: yeah it's much faster to get books out like as like soon as I'm done writing something, I'll hand it off to my editor. It takes like a month to edit, and then you can put it out there. So like it's really really fast too. So if you want to constantly be writing and publishing, you can do that. It works as fast as you do. So yeah, it's just a control aspect. And I didn't think at first that like that was a make it or break it for me. Um, I was like, oh, they can choose my cover, they can choose whatever. But as I wrote more and more books, I did realize that I had a certain look a certain way I wanted to market it and you're right on TikTok like there's certain like ways that I want to market it on there as well which I don't think I'd be able to do if I was traditionally published
1: that's like really interesting because I guess I'd never really consider that but I think if I were like somebody who is an author and there was like that loss of control I would just mm-hmm. not have a great time I would just be sitting mm-hmm. there irritated somehow yeah. constantly yeah
2: yeah It discourages a lot of people, the whole process. And that's the thing that sucks is I know there's like so many great writers out there that get discouraged by the like traditionally published process and they just kind of give up on their book. And that sucks, especially when it's hard for like queer authors or queer stories to break through and you just feel so beat down by not getting your thing published. And some people are just afraid to, like I said, to self-publish because there isn't such a great rep. Um, From years of self-publishing. Now, like more and more people are starting to self-publish. They're publishing really like quality stuff. You see it a lot on TikTok. And so I think the tides are changing, but I just hope that those people who are listening and like want to write a book, I just want to tell them to, you know, like go for it because there's really not much in this day and age that should be holding you back.
0: I think that a great segue into like the next question we actually had. Mm -hmm. Um, I, this is all just so amazing and interesting to learn because like a lot of this I've never really thought about but kind of going off like what you said about like you know diving Mm -hmm. into self-publishing what's like some things you wish you knew going into self-publishing and going into writing
2: yeah so I mean there's a lot (laughs) um like I said I'm really impatient um so I really wish that I just would have slowed down a little um at first but I also wish that I would have been a little smarter with my research because there is a lot of free research that you can do out there. Like there's YouTube videos, um, there's blogs upon blogs upon blogs, and I think I should have just stuck to like one um one person and like see what their path was instead of getting it from like five, 10, 15 different author tubers, you know, and like all these reads see blogs, and there's just so much that you can get confused about and Um, I just wish that I would have been able to package it or like just pick one person, follow them and try and publish how they published um, instead of getting everything mixed up, because, yeah, my first like publishing experience, um, not even with contract bound with the other world series, because that was actually the first book that I wrote um, was imposter and Warriors Clean. that was the first one, and so that took so long to figure out because it was new but once I started getting in the groove I realized it doesn't have to be as complicated as you make it. Like really, you just have to write, you have to get a good editor, a cover, and then at that point, you can just publish it. Of course, you have beta and arc readers, but if you're strapped for cash, or this is just something that you want to try out, you don't even necessarily need that portion. And I think I got caught up in so much of like, oh, this person, this person, and this person did this to publish their book, so I should do it too. So that's my my takeaway. I mean, there's so much more like, that we can go into, especially when it comes to, like, finding editors, because finding editors on Fiverr, my gosh, it is not easy, and even if they have, like, glowing reviews, mm -mm, you have to be very careful with the editors you get, and, like, even trying to find cover designers, like, I didn't know where to start to find cover designers, like, I thought I had to pay someone, like, $1,000 to like draw my book cover for me because you see all these traditionally published people um, getting like uh, illustrated book covers. And then they also have a book designer on top of that when you don't have to do all of that. My mind is just uh, blown right now.
1: That's Yeah, that's just a lot, <laughs> um, which just makes it like, it, it always just kind of then reminds me like how amazing it is just even like getting anything out there, like just the process of all of that. So I kind of guess like another question in that. So, you know, you write with like pen names with like yeah. two of them. You've got Eden Rose and then Elmay. Um, where did you get this idea of having to like write with like instead of just using your actual name? Um, and then do you think that you use like the different pen names for different kinds of books, like kind of that mm-hmm. genre thing? Because, you know, Eden Rose has like this contemporary mm-hmm. and then L. May is like this paranormal dark romances. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so pen names, I think, so after I did my research into publishing, one of the first things that I did realize that I wanted was a pen name because I work in kind of a bigger company and I didn't want people knowing what I was doing, what if I was writing and it wasn't good or it failed, so this was another way to kind of like shield myself from like that like I didn't want people to be able to search my name and be like oh my coworker Alyssa is writing these books and they're super spicy and they're queer like what if I'm not out to them what if they try and read my books and they read something I don't want them to read that's I couldn't think of that like I, I'm already like an introvert so that was like my worst nightmare um but a funny story is actually the last job I quit I did like show them my books and I was like don't talk to me about them I don't ever want to hear anything about them,
3: but this is them. And we're not talking about it anymore. Um, <laughs> like my, my mom in this podcast.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah.
3: Yeah, it's oh like gosh. we all we all kind of like mentioned
1: it to people in our family or like friends mm-hmm. and stuff. And it's like... <laughs> this is a thing but you cannot actually listen to us yeah don't listen to it
2: I'm just letting you know this is what I do but don't you ever listen to it don't you ever look at it don't ask me about it yeah I totally yeah yeah, like
1: I I told my I had like mentioned my mom I was like I am recording with this author today and she was like what are those books and I was like you cannot read that book no thank you please make sure
2: they don't read that book yeah I was
1: like please no thank you um but it's great um so yeah that's funny yeah
2: but So that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to write a pen name uh, just to protect my identity. Uh, I'm very open on the internet now. Obviously, you see my face. Um, I don't really talk about my real name. I do say that I'm Alyssa, but like I don't really go into like my personal life and that kind of stuff. So it's just another layer to protect myself. But um, going into the different pen names, you're correct. I want it to be different genres. I know there are like a lot of authors that just put it into one, Katie Robber is one of them. And then Katie Wismer as well. They have a bunch of genres in one pen name. And while I think that's great for them, um, I don't think for myself that it would work out just because one is just so paranormal based and to randomly have like a contemporary in there. um, I'm not sure a lot of readers would like that. Like if they come to me for queer reverse harem, and then they see like, just um, like a female-female contemporary, they'll be like, oh, maybe that's not my thing. So I wanted to be able to separate it and to reach like two different audiences the one thing, though, that I think I didn't prepare for is just how much like social media I would have to upkeep because I have an Eden Rose Instagram that I have to like keep updating. I don't update that. And I just end up posting it all on either one TikTok or one Instagram. But yeah, that that's the main vibe is to just make sure those are those genres are separated. So if readers like Eden Rose, they can just go to Eden Rose. If they like Elmay, they can go to Elmay.
1: Yeah, so that's smart. really great. Yeah, I we were actually talking about it because we were like looking at all of your social media and I was like, Yeah, yeah, there's two separate ones for the like, these. wait, what? Yeah, and then Maddie was like, Wait, why? And I was like, Yeah, and I was like, and oh kind of like the different genres. So yeah, we were, different
2: right. genres, yeah, but it really is hard to upkeep. Wouldn't recommend two social media platforms. I think I learned my lesson, but we'll still continue with the different pen names as I write contemporary because also, one thing I didn't think that I'd write contemporary um, when I started reading again. I was reading all like fantasy, like Akatar of course I read Acatar. Um, And so after that, I just started writing fantasy. But then like in the middle of my writing, like last year, I was like, oh, I started reading more contemporary. I was like, oh, I think, I think I'm interested in this. And so I actually wrote The Ties That Bind Us over like the whole half of last year. Um, and that's probably one of the longest books actually. It took for me to write just because i kept going back and forth with it um because it was my first contemporary and i'm like mm, i don't know if i'm doing this right like and so i would put it off go back reread it and then put it off again but it made it
3: out there i'm pretty happy with it so yeah i read it in about i read it in a day about three days ago yeah <laughs> it was very good i'm glad you liked you, it definitely <laughs> nailed the genre it was I highly recommend for our listeners. <laughs> yeah, And I guess kind of just going off of that, like the different genre idea um, is, we were kind of curious how you started writing kind of these darker paranormal and contemporary romances. Um, was it just kind of, that's what you started reading when you got back into writing? like, how has, I know, you know, that's not really the traditional fantasy book, yeah. mm-hmm. um, so it's kind of like, what made you decide to write those, those genres? Yeah,
2: yeah, no, great question. So I, I think it also goes back to what I read in high school, not going to lie. So the fan fiction I used to read in high school was pretty dark. Um, I love angst. Like, I love angst reading it. And so, like, that was pretty easy for me to transition to. I think when I first started reading again, I read a lot of the lighter stuff. I didn't read a lot of dark stuff. And I found myself getting a little... I don't want to say bored, but just like wishing for more, you know, like these are real people that I'm reading about and I want to see the dark things that happen in life. I don't know if that's like, I think a couple things go into it, whether it's like past trauma or whether it's like just that I'm safe and happy in my environment now. So I can face things like that. Um, but I was always drawn to that. And even my wife and I, we listen to a bunch of true crime podcasts. And so we always have this morbid curiosity. Yeah, we listen to a lot of them. <laughs> this morbid curiosity for this kind of darker things. And so it was actually really easy for me to start writing it into my books. But I also didn't realize at first that that was what I was doing. I didn't think that what I was writing was actually that dark until I started reading more dark romances. And like, dark paranormal stuff and I'm like oh these are the themes that I actually gravitate towards and so this is how I should be marketing it.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that makes a lot of sense because I was even talking about this with my younger cousin who she's gotten into reading a little bit after I got back into reading so mm-hmm. I've been giving her like recommendations and everything and we were trying to put it into words and I think I saw this on like TikTok or something and I was explaining this to my aunt because mm-hmm. so she was like what kind of books are you having my child read? And I was like, auntie, we want to read books about things that we've experienced, mm-hmm. but with fantasy, because right. then it's the trauma that we've experienced and the crap we've gone through in our lives,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but with magic and dragons.
2: But with magic and dragons. And, and it also helps you, feel. It yeah, helps you heal. It helps you feel. Really from it. Yeah. yeah. Like after reading it or writing it in my case, like it does, I don't want to say it feels therapeutic, but it kind of does to a point. Like it also makes me just be able to, critically think about my life and how I've reacted to various traumas you know growing up and I guess that's a big part of it too but it's an interesting topic
0: yeah and I think even on the reader side like we always talk about on the pod too like you know I mean we just finished Crescent like a Crescent City like buddy read with all of us and even back to Avatar, since you've read Avatar, like I mean I remember reading mist and fury and silver flames and I felt like I had just gone through like a three-day therapy session after mm-hmm. and I felt just so healed and like just mm-hmm. like such a sense of like holy fuck that was mm-hmm. just like I just need to sit with this and yeah. you know like
2: you feel it's real and- yeah and it happens to other people and now you're not so alone in your feelings and you're like wow this is a real thing that I definitely didn't make up and it's there on the page um okay yeah no uh every time i end up like reading something
1: or i just have to cope i turn to just like dark romance just like Mm -hmm. turn to it it's like smut go just just, just there for a couple of days like i think i was telling all the other valkyries i was like i just read this book and it emotionally destroyed me so for the next month you will only see me reading these very very dark kindle unlimited books you will not hear from me um about anything else do not try to get me to read it, like it can have a, anything, but, like just don't try for anything else. <laughs> just This is it. Um, and I will cope through this. Thank you. Yeah.
2: And Kindle Unlimited has really good dark books. Um, Like oh, yeah. that that's where it lives. Like dark romance lives on Kindle Unlimited. And I also just binge whatever dark romance that uh, I can find on Kindle Unlimited when I'm feeling a certain type of way, especially after I finish a book. I just like try and binge all the dark romances I can find.
0: And it's funny because I always call like my Kindle Unlimited, like really dark smutty books. I call those my palate cleansers after I finish a really emotional I that. high fantasy <laughs> book. And it's, you would think I would need a palate cleanser after reading, you know, this really yeah. dark, spicy mm-hmm. harem. And you're just like, wow, that was just like really dark. But no, those are my palate cleansers. Yeah. Like,
3: no, I totally <laughs> feel that. <laughs> I totally understand. I also find myself too, like when I go back to reading like traditional fantasy or like traditional paranormal books, I kind of just get annoyed. I'm like, Mm-hmm. Like, if this was real life, like, there was, a like, it, like political stuff going on, or, like, war, mm-hmm. like, it wouldn't be quite as light and fluffy as mm-hmm. it is, so I, no, I kind of find be. myself getting it, like, this is not realistic, and I kind of feel, like, you know, mm-hmm. having to turn to some of these darker books as, like, this is what I feel like would really have, like, it catches mm-hmm. me more, like, I get pulled in a little bit more to, like, yeah. the emotions and the stories, I feel mm-hmm. like. I totally understand.
1: It's like, where's the queer
3: romance? Where's my queer reverse
1: harem? I'm like, it? why can't you just throw that in there? Um, I'm sorry. Why is why do I have to go to a completely
3: different book for this?
2: Right. Why is it so hard? Why can't we just put it in there? I don't know. I maybe maybe soon.
3: Like Abby and I read a ton of reverse harems, and there are so you would think within that genre, like the con, like the very foundational principle of the genre, there would be more queer relationships. But it is really hard to find even on it's Kindle. It's really element. hard.
2: Yeah, I know. I actually so I read I also didn't know I was gonna write reverse harem. And then I read my reverse harem and I was like, oh, I like this. And so <laughs> then um I started writing it. But you're right. I was also looking for like a female, female reverse harem. Like, is there any like girl on girl stuff? I know there's some barely, but it was so hard to find. And I'm like, uh, forget it. I'm just going to write it. I'm going to write the characters that I want. And I'll make my own reverse harem that I want to read. Yeah.
0: Was, there, was there any other like inspirations besides you? Besides like that, like that like kind of prompted you to write like the books you have, like especially like the reverse harems and like the Winterfell Academy. Yeah.
2: So <laughs> I'm a huge nerd. Um, I, look at, okay. I say this while like not looking at you guys, but um, I watch a lot of anime and a lot of my characters actually come from animes um and so that actually feeds a lot into what I write and of course the other books that I read if I wish it could have been gayer or if I wish that I could have seen something else I'll write something that you know satisfies that thirst or whatever um but a lot of it does come from things like that and of course as an author or as a reader like I also just get really creative when I visit other like art things or when I look at other artsy things so whether that's like a painting whether that's a movie some poetry I'm not a huge poetry reader but when I get the feeling to read poetry I'll go or just like anything that can help the creative process and help those ideas flow Um, so even just going for like a walk with my wife like that does wonders for me Um, and so besides that there's not like a huge like thing that I really pull from for inspiration, but I guess I would say it is a collective of what I've read, what I've seen and what I wish could be in books.
3: makes a lot of sense. And like reading so your books and especially reading Winterfell Academy, there's so many academy based and like university based reverse harems out there. Mm-hmm. And like, you would just think it would, you would get a little bit more of mm-hmm. it, not just you know, a, a, essentially a, a straight reverse harem, um, right. and it is just so hard to find. And so you know, when we found, when Abby and I found winterfall Academy from TikTok, <laughs> your marketing worked. I'm glad. I'm glad TikTok yeah. works. I don't know
2: all the time, so I'm glad.
3: <laughs> like it was. It was honestly, I stayed up until like three or four a.m. two nights in a row finishing. Oh <laughs>
1: yeah, but it was there, like yeah. a weekend and then and immediately you know.
3: was like harassing Abby to read them just because yeah, I, like I, I, we I were like so aware text message. <laughs> we it were is. both so aware of like like oh my gosh we're both like bisexual women like mm-hmm. what's the appeal of a reverse harem to someone who's who is bisexual like that's a big part of like the mm-hmm. fantasy appeal of reading books like that but you just right. so hard to find mm-hmm. so it was really great and like therapeutic almost to read that and, like, to That's read, fun. like, the relationships and them grow and, and all of the really great representation that you have included in, in all of your books. But that one particularly. Thank you.
2: Advice. Thank <laughs> so. you. That warms my heart. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I got, like, a yelling message from Maddie and she was like, you have to read this. And so I had, like, downloaded all of them. Um oh And I like spent the entire weekend. I was like, it's one in the morning, and I was like passing out with this book. Like, and so it's always so entertaining because it's like, I hear and you're talking, like, it took me a long time. And I'm like, yesterday I read both of the other world books just through them, (laughs) just gone and so it's like you're like it took the longest and I'm like well it took me 12 hours um so
2: (laughs) yeah that's a that's a common that's a common theme uh, that I hear not just within my own writing but authors in general some things that take like uh, months sometimes years can be devoured in like hours or days um but thank you I really appreciate that (laughs)
0: So Winterfell Academy, actually, like, I, I still need to read the other books. I've only gone through the mm-hmm. first one just because my TBR is ridiculous. But I do, no I, oh, my God, I love it so much. <laughs> um But it was actually the first book I read after I came out to my mom as bi. And mm-hmm. I was, like, to read A Queer vs. Harem as an open queer woman. I was, like, this it is... Hits different. It really, <laughs> it really did. And it was everything and more, and, like... The- I'm so, so glad. Good. And I was just... <laughs> And I, I actually just had one of my friends who's um, a fellow queer. Mm-hmm. She, uh, I just gave her the song of Achilles because she wants to get back into reading. And I told her, I was like, it's going to hurt because she, she loves Greek retellings. So mm-hmm. oh, yeah, she was in pain. I, I had to comfort her. And like, I'm here for you, bud. And we were talking about it. And I was like, it's just so amazing to like read queer stories or especially like when they're not focused about coming out.
3: Right. Like, yeah, it's just like, and that's what was so great about Winterfell is like it was just normal like there was no yeah. like oh, no one is- asked about it it is it is no, what it, it is just normal <laughs> yeah, and I that's what I hope
1: you, I love when you can just be queer and like nobody asks questions like yeah. it's just existence like right. can't that just be like I don't want to focus
2: on that we're past that we know it like is. this is what it is and I just want to focus on like real hot queer
0: relationships
2: yes. Yes, you understand the assignment.
0: <laughs> you 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 passed with fine marks on the assignment. <laughs>
3: Thank you. So you have your next Winterfell Academy book coming out on the twenty second, which is I think like a week after this episode is is being released. Oh
2: my gosh! Oh my gosh! I'm I'm so hyped, you guys. This okay, this fourth book. I don't know what I was doing with the other third, like three books, but this fourth book, it's gonna hit different, and I'm really excited for you guys to read it. Like. Terrified, <laughs> excited. You, 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 should, terrified. Be terrified. you should be terrified. You should
1: leave me on such a cliffhanger that I sit here just waiting <laughs> and just like halfway screaming. Like the cliffhanger of the third book. I'm I so think afraid. I like screamed. I just was like, you have I got a very
3: panicked text message. Oh my gosh. I'm <laughs> sorry.
2: So I do have to warn you, of course, there is another cliffhanger. Is it as I bad as is it as bad as the third? Probably not. Uh, uh we'll we'll figure it out <laughs> when you guys <laughs> read it um but I think you guys are gonna be really excited uh for this fourth book like I put a lot of emphasis on like their growth and like the relationship between people because at this point like they've been together for a long time and there's still oddly enough like up until this book, not a lot of talks about like how they feel about each other. And so it was really fun to like play around with that and also just play around with the world because we're very serious in the world at this point. Like everyone knows what's going on. We know who sort of the bad guys are. And yeah, it was just a lot of fun. And I'm like super excited for you guys to read this one because I really do feel like we're reaching a really good point in the Winterfell series.
1: Yeah. Cause I think you had uh, mentioned, you were like, I think this is my favorite one yeah. so far. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh man. I like, I was just like, now I can't wait like anymore. So, <laughs> I yeah. don't want
2: to end it. Like I have one more book after this for this series and I have no idea how I'm going to write, you know, the end on this series. Like I know what's going to happen obviously, but I just don't know how I'm going to do it because I love these characters so much. And it was also like, just like I hope it is for other people, you know, like their first experience with bisexual reverse harem, um, you know, that comforts them. It's also like my first bisexual reverse harem that I'm writing. And so I don't, I don't know how to say goodbye to that. And of course I'm going to be writing more and probably more bisexual reverse harems, but it's just going to be difficult. But I do think it is like my favorite part because just everything's coming to a head, you know, and I feel like we really understand who the characters are, like Spice level is pretty good. <laughs> um, and they just they just have like things that they need to do and they're trying to accomplish it.
0: Kind of going back to the conversation mm-hmm. we had about like queer characters and mm-hmm. queer relationships, like what has your experience like I guess we kind of touched on this, but like to go a little deeper, like what has like your experience been with like writing queer relationships and characters Mm -hmm. and how do you think like how do how do you think it differs in your experience writing like Mm -hmm. traditional like heterosexual relationships and like yeah kind of like that comparison
2: no yeah it's a great question so the first like I guess draft of the other world series I think you can kind of tell if you've read it like I did try and start with a kind of straight relationship and that quickly fizzled out and I was like I don't like this um I was like I need something more to this and so with writing I have just since then started centering around queer characters the relationships I want to see the love interests I want to see instead of trying to force it into like this heteronormative thing um I do think though (laughs) there is still a long way um, when it comes to publishing, Uh, not really indie publishing, because you see a lot of more queer characters in indie publishing, but traditional publishing and just in the publishing world, like there is a lot that we need to get through um, to make like to have more queer characters in books. And so I do think that even though I'm having a blast writing these characters, and I love the little community that, you know, I've created with this characters and with my publishing, I do still think sometimes at points that it would have been probably either easier or more profitable to write straight relationships because there is such an emphasis on it in traditional media, whether that's social media, you know, or like I said, traditional publishing. And so I do think about that actually quite often, but I keep going back to that. Like I want to write the books that I want to see. And I want to have these conversations, you know, where people are telling me how happy it makes them to find a bisexual main character and to find masked women and non-binary people in the harem. Like those are great conversations and like very heartwarming things that I want to have. Like I want to see that change. I want us to be able to have those conversations in this community. So even though like it does make it different and probably my growth is a lot slower because of it. I don't think I would change any of it because I really do believe, you know, in the books that I'm writing and how I'm publishing. And I mean, there could be talks about, oh, Alyssa, you're publishing a lot of smut. Like, how are you changing anything for the world? But I do think like ending the heteronormative stigma that is in like traditional media is very important. And it does start with things like this.
0: 100%. And I think regardless of your genre, whether it's smut, mm-hmm. fantasy, contemporary, like all forms of literature, mm-hmm. when your identity is highlighted and put out there, regardless of the genre, your the reader is like living for it. And it means more to them than you would know. Because like, I mean, I'm in education. So mm-hmm. whenever I'm reading a book with like, you know, a black character and with like black students in my classroom and, you know, them seeing themselves and highlighted, like I could see it on their faces. Like when they see themselves in those books, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: it it makes all the difference. And, you know, in reality, not a lot of the world is not straight. And Mm -hmm. a lot of them do not fit within, you know, the gender binary. So it's about time that those, identities get shown mm-hmm. in all forms mm-hmm. of literature and in all genres. Not so. that
3: they existing. Like, I feel, I, I really struggle, I know we mentioned this already, with a lot of the books that are marketed as, like, queer books with, like, mm-hmm. LGBT characters. Like, they're either, like, funny side characters, like, which is fine. Like, I'm glad they're there, but it's not quite the same. And, or, you know, the story is focused around, like, you know, their struggle with coming out or like mm-hmm. the society. And, and I do understand those types of narratives can be really helpful and can be healing for a lot of people to read about and like educational for people who don't mm-hmm. identify that way to see what the struggle really is like. Right. But also like, I just like no one wants to read a, a like heterosexual love story where like the main point mm-hmm. of conflict is outside of the relationship. Like right. it's not good. Like it's not it doesn't make you identify with the characters and it, it's hard mm. harder for me to identify with them and like get pulled in. And it's just really nice to read stories with queer main characters that don't center like the plot isn't about their queerness. Like they're just right. you know, they're they're, they're queer in yeah. the plot. Just existing. Isn't about yeah. the plot. <laughs> <laughs> um, I
1: I honestly think so, like I read like a good mix and it was still like majority just like heterosexual, like. Relationship, especially in like a romance or whatever. And I think ever since I started at like I read Winterfell, I don't think I've read like a single straight smut in like months. <laughs> like it's just gone. Like, I just like, mm-hmm. actually, um, I saw how great this is and I refuse to stop now. Thank you. Um,
2: I'm glad
3: <laughs> apologies to all of that.
2: That's funny. Yeah, no, same. Um, I've been trying to search for it. Honestly, there isn't much. I know there are some like So if you guys don't know, there is kind of this organization called GCLS, where they do focus on women loving women relationships. Um, They're mostly if not all self published. So there is like a huge crowd of people who are publishing these books. um, But I don't think it's marketed as well as it could be, of course, as you know, with any authors like We have to pay for all of our own marketing, whether you do Facebook ads, Amazon ads, TikTok, social media, it all comes from us. And so we don't have those huge budgets that traditionally published people do. So I think even though, you know, I'm probably saying that I also haven't read a lot and I wish there was more out there, I bet there probably are. Um, we're just not able to find them through the noise of everything else and I do hope that that can change soon especially with the help of TikTok like I really don't think that a lot of my books would be out here without the help of TikTok and I know a lot of other self-published authors feel the same.
3: I guess kind of speaking of TikTok it Changing the subject just slightly, yes. I recently saw a TikTok of, of another self-published author who who writes queer romances, mm-hmm. talking about the struggle they've had finding beta readers for, for queer romances specifically. Um, mm-hmm. And they specifically were mentioning how they use Fiverr and how a lot of times mm-hmm. once their beta readers find out there is a queer relationship, they like will back out. Have has, have you seen that similarly? Like Has that been something you've experienced with your books? Or, or I don't know if you find mm-hmm. beta readers in the same way. Yeah.
2: So I did get some beta readers from Fiverr, but I got very, very lucky with my first beta reader from Fiverr. Um, She's great. I still use her to this day and she is totally open about like queer relationships. I didn't breach any of that and ask if she is queer. Um, I allowed her to keep that to herself, but she's always given me very, very good feedback. And so while I haven't figured, seen a lot of that on Fiverr with my beta readers, I did see it once with an editor. Um, for the first contract bound actually Um, I saw it with that and there was you can just tell that the level of detail or level of I don't know just care for the rough draft like wasn't there especially when it got to the spicy scenes you can kind of tell that they're Um, like comments got short and that they probably skimmed over like a lot because you would see in areas where their comments were bare, where um, it obviously didn't need work. And so while it wasn't outright stated that way, it was a white cis male. And um, I was just assuming this was probably it given their response for the draft. Um, But besides that, I've also been very lucky. Like at the beginning when I did first start putting contract bound up there, like I got a lot of people who are very interested in it and so I could pull from those people instead and use them as beta readers though in self-publishing like getting feedback from beta readers is really hard regardless uh, sometimes they just don't respond to you at all um so it's always a struggle but those were the only two times I think that I've like or the only one time that I have really felt that maybe it was because I was publishing queer stuff
0: so now that we've kind of covered the sick mm-hmm. of it with um like the publishing and like yeah your stories, we got some fun questions for you.
2: Oh, fun questions! Um,
0: if you had to like self-identify with any of the characters like you've written, is there like a certain character that you really see a lot of yourself in? Oh my
2: god! Um,
0: and if it's a difficult question, by no means do you have
2: to no, because like I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> I've never been asked that before. Um. Because I like okay, I don't think I write my characters how I am. Because I do think I'm quite boring. Not gonna lie. Like it's just it is what it is. Like I'm an introvert. I stay inside the house all the time. Um, but You're I do
3: without magic. Like there's a limit right, in how interesting right. <laughs> any of us can be in comparison. I Totally feel that. Um,
2: maybe. So probably because I first started writing the other world series. Um, her name is Vane at the beginning. So her I probably identify with the most because at that point I wasn't really writing the main character to kind of like fit them into their story or their world I was just writing the main character from how I knew them so I'm assuming that I'm probably like the closest with them though can I identify with their journey probably not they go through a lot <laughs> um, so I would say that's my answer yeah that
1: was a wild story like the a- I was just sitting there like I was like wow um this is a lot yeah. On. It's
2: a lot. It's a lot. Um, I'm not going to give anything away. I know as soon as yeah, start I start talking about it, I'm going to give everything away. So I'll just, <laughs> exactly. I was like,
1: I'm not going to say much, but it was a lot. Um,
2: yeah. It's a lot. <laughs> Be prepared. Uh, trigger warnings, have them all on my website for any of my books, anyone listening, like go check those out before you even pick up one of my books. They're always at the beginning of my books, but there's always more detailed ones on my website as well.
1: Um, I'm always like, smut's
3: supposed to be fun, um, not supposed to trigger
2: the shit out of you. <laughs> yeah, oh. no, definitely trigger warnings are there for a reason.
3: Speaking of um, smut, so obviously you write a lot of spicy scenes. Mm-hmm. What is that process like for you? Like, <laughs> like when you're writing? Favorite question. Uh... Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, so I know a lot of indie authors who write smut or just like authors in general who write smut also have like a bunch of... I don't know, different methods. Like I am not one of those people who have to go to those spicy sites and like kind of figure it out um, or like have to figure out anything with my partner. Usually I'll just like start writing the book and I actually don't plan the spicy scenes until I like get to it. And then when it happens, it kind of happens. I do feel though, at this point in my writing, I probably need to spice it up a little with like positioned and like where they do it at spicy scenes um but I'm gonna have to work on that yeah
1: um I I, I like see TikTok where it's like they'll be you'll be like reading a spicy scene and you're trying mm-hmm. to like think it out like, like a life. picture like, like the, yeah, the, the position like, yeah yeah because sometimes I'll like zone out in some of the mm-hmm. books and then I'm like all of a sudden I'm like what
2: happened yeah no I'll like, just sit here because like this is where I write I write like facing this way right I'll probably just be here like this and just stare at it for like the longest time if I can't figure that out that's
0: usually how I do it yeah right I feel <laughs> very seen with this like because I do the same thing like because I always joke mm-hmm. with like my friends I'm like yeah no when I read like I make an Oscar award-winning film in my head on what's happening in the books and when I get to a spicy Mm -hmm. scene I'm always like like, yeah yeah no I literally have to be like like here like are they are are they bento like (laughs)
2: yeah no it's definitely a lot to think about honestly though like being real like my spicy scenes are the easiest for me to write. Like it just happens so fast and I can just get through it like pretty fast. So like I'll blink and I'll write like 5,000 words, you know, for like a spicy thing, which is a lot. Um, but yeah, I just, it's what I gravitate towards. And like kind of also with the dark stuff, like I didn't realize I was gravitating towards that until I started adding a lot of it into my book. And I'm like, Oh, so this is what I want to do. And then I was like, I'm just going to keep doing that.
1: (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, now this is kind of like leads into something else. Yeah. So you said that you like look for a lot of these dark romances. So what mm-hmm. would be some of your favorite dark slash paranormal romances mm-hmm. outside of your writing that like yeah. you like?
2: So I'm also really horrible at this too, because I forget titles and authors all the time. Like I'm a horrible reader. Like if you ask me what book I read last night, cause I was reading last night. I can't tell you what it was. I'd have to look at my Kindle and see, like, I don't know. Um, But I did like write down some authors because I was prepared. I wrote down some authors and you'll probably know them. And I've mentioned Katie like Wismer like so many times in this like uh, podcast, but I love her. Um, I read all of her books. And the recent one is like much spicier than her normal ones um, and much darker than her normal ones. So if you want to try that, it's a slow burn. Highly recommend. She's a very talented writer. And then of course, um, I don't know if it's Lisa or Liza James, but <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: Yeah, femme on femme. Like, yeah. I, I love that stuff. And then of course, if you've been on TikTok, Sophie Lark, like, yeah, those are the main ones. But I do honestly just like kind of endlessly scroll on Kindle, look at recommendations, see what's recommended to me. Um, I don't do a lot of research on the back end, and of course, if TikTok. There is one that sounds like really dark, really spicy. And I'm like, oh, I think I'd be into that. I usually just one click purchase it and I'll read it whenever I get to it. But I'm so bad at remembering authors and book names. Like it's horrible.
3: (laughs) I always tell people like I can't ever say when I'm meeting new people that reading is my hobby because as soon as they ask me what I like to read, I forget every single book I've ever read. (laughs) Same, same. Yeah,
1: I I think I've been having to get a lot better at it purely because mm-hmm. um, we like talk about books and stuff on here, and so I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm gonna sound really dumb right now if I tell you guys about a book and I can't tell you the title. Um, I always have to like have
3: my story graph pulled up.
1: Yeah, we yeah. We have- I feel that. Yeah. Oh,
2: you know what? Actually, I just remembered an author that got me really into spicy stuff. Of course, Katie Roberts, but like also Penelope Douglas.
1: Oh yes. yes. yes
2: so straight but honestly the ones I read were so straight but honestly smut next level I love it
1: yeah I've been reading uh the Katie Roberts books like I was like streaming. if I want a
2: quick a quick like smutty read I'll pick up one of hers yeah
1: well it's like uh two a day like if I just have nothing going on it's quick it's just yeah
2: yeah her like novellas I think one of her like I don't know taboo or whatever series Yeah, yeah I'll like read through the whole thing it's great
0: yeah I just, I just dipped my toe in Katie Robert and the way I absolutely gobbled up Neon Gods.
2: I actually haven't read Neon Gods, but I want to so bad.
0: Well, the it's way worth I, it, yes. Okay, yeah, this
1: is it, complete side note. Um, it, it's okay. It's, uh, which, because this has nothing to do, but um, so like the Wicked Villains series. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's based in Carver City, right? Uh, well, it mentions Olympus and this is the Olympus so it's, like, that's gonna be a 10 (laughs) book, and that's got some reverse harem, it's coming into it, so, yeah, (laughs)
0: so, yeah, I've also, like, been following Katie Robber on TikTok, and she said that, like, she has, she has, like, a, like, Abby said, like, 10 books planned for, like, the Dark Olympus series, and she's, said she's, like, in the later books, it's gonna get a lot gayer, and a lot more, like, poly, and Mm -hmm. I'm, she i'm actually on her
2: patreon paper. too so i've been seeing like some of the, the art pieces, pieces. yes yeah. oh my
0: gosh they're beautiful it's they, so great and the way so like i just mentioned on gods and the way that like i don't like when men do this to me because like in general i'm just men but like the way that i would crawl over glass for hades is kind of ridiculous and
2: <laughs> i've heard that so many times and that's one of the reasons why i keep like wanting to read it but I'll, I'll have to try it after this um because it's been recommended to me over and over again
0: and then I don't know if this this isn't really spoilery but it's there is like because we, just, we we talked to, we were talking about this late earlier but mm-hmm. it's casually dropped that Persephone's by mm-hmm. and yeah I had like an yeah, ex-girlfriend yeah. I and heard that in the Patreon I was just like mm. casual it was so casual it wasn't made a big deal mm-hmm. but it was like brought up and talked about and how
3: like it was just I was like, she's a boy! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> it was it was a win for us. Yes. Um,
1: yeah, yeah. I, I I like it, I think it's just because it is such a big deal that if mm-hmm. you're anything other than straight, it's just like has to be a whole like it's the mm-hmm. entire plot and it's like I'm so sorry. When did uh, my sexuality or gender become plot point, a plot, point. plot line? Like, can I just use yeah. this yes,
2: please? Thank you. Yeah. No, I totally feel that. Yeah. That was definitely one of the hardest things I think to get over when I was reading. Cause like, you're right. When you do find a queer book, it is a lot about coming out and I don't want to be reminded about coming out all the time. I came out when I was 18 to my mom after I met my partner and I was like, Oh, I'm going to marry this girl. And so (laughs) I came out to my mom after that. And since then, like, I didn't want to talk about like coming out or like think about it too much. I was like, this is my life. Like, I just want to move on like read some queer smut read some queer stories that showcase like other parts of being queer and just like living yeah
0: Yeah. I just I'm 22 and I just came out and the whole reason was because we were recording an episode Mm -hmm. and I accidentally like my I've been out to my friends for a hot minute Mm -hmm. but like with my family just I've never felt ready yeah and then I kind of yeah and then I, I casually dropped while we were recording I was like yeah you know as a bi woman you know like I really enjoy seeing and I was like well you're like cat's out of the bag oh well <laughs> I was like well you know let's just do it I don't feel like editing that out so we'll just
2: <laughs> I totally feel that yeah
0: <laughs> uh, I told like three people and then everybody else I
1: just let them assume and find out on their own terms I've refused to do it I'm just like you know what you find out however you want to <laughs> moving on
2: Yeah, I think it's, it's difficult navigating the world, uh, being queer, whether it's like coming out to your parents, coming out to your friends. And even for me, like coming out in my nine to five job, like it's different for everyone. Um, and it's really hard each time too. like, to have to constantly come out. Um, but thankfully like the world, as at least from what I've seen, especially in the United States have been getting a lot better. Companies are more open, um, you know, and I'm just hoping it continues this way. For sure.
3: For so our next like fun question, Um, it's kind of, I guess, similar to the first mm-hmm. fun question, but less of who you identify with and more just do you have a favorite? And I know like it's hard to pick your favorite child, but- Oh no, I have a favorite. I'll okay. tell you about
2: them. Your <laughs> favorite.
3: So I actually, actually, I want to ask you guys if
2: you've read the book, if you can tell which one's my favorite. Price of Silence. It's in Price of Silence. <sighs>
1: Okay. See, because I have a favorite, I like to think that we have the same favorite, but I assume that you probably don't have my favorite. But like, I like Eli, but... Eli's nice. Okay, not your favorite. All right. You know what, Maddie, you go. You're better at this.
3: My favorite right now is just Malik because I like the tension and I like the mysteriousness. Um, Malik's nice. Yeah is it Ray? No. Ray?
2: It is Ray. Ray is my favorite. She's my favorite. So like I was actually thinking about this question for a lot um, for a long time because I knew Ray was my favorite like just character that I have. Um, if you watch anime I like, I modeled them after Kyoya from Horan High School House Club for anyone who watches anime and like this is, this is
1: a <laughs> memory from, like, a while back. My yeah, wow. so
2: that, but queer, lesbian, like, that's, that was what I was trying to go for, and I just love everything about her, like, from her looks to how she acts, and she just has, like, so much behind her story that we, like, barely get into, even in just this, like, fourth book, but that's because that's how she wants it, and so that is... I just like that, um, type of dynamic that we have there. But, um, for Malik, um, I also really like Malik and Eli, of course, but I actually wanted to give this like little tidbit. Eli, they're the easiest for me to write. And Malik is actually the hardest for me to write. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if you could tell, but Malik is very hard to write. Just, there's so much, there's so much going on in here. And like, he's, technically like super old and he's seen a lot of life and
3: yeah and, like he- sort of at that point. I'm not I don't want to spoil it for Haley, but like I can see like it, he just has a very complex backstory he, does.
2: he has a really complex backstory and you learn a lot actually so why like uh, book four is one of my favorites because we actually go into a lot of his path past in book four and so you learn a lot about Malik and like his relationship to be with Rosie and like, there's just so much to go into it, but even like, so why he's so hard is because he has that. Right. But he is also very similar to Eli because like Eli grew up around him and you'll see a lot of Malik in Eli as well, because that's who they learned from is Malik. So, um, that part also adds another layer of like complexity to it. And like Malik is low key, sometimes kind of a hothead and that's hard to, uh, like, uh, manage with all of his like experience and years. So yeah, that's why he's the hardest, but Eli is definitely the easiest, um, because they just write themselves, honestly.
1: Yeah, I I love Eli. Uh they always just I've just like constantly like, where are they? Please come back to me. Do um, disappear
2: for a minute. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Um where 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 are come back, please? And then and then it's always just like great plot. Whenever they come back, I'm like, yes, just come back. They just
3: write it themselves. So. Yeah. They just write it themselves. So. Talking about another instance where I was over I was ecstatic that their plot evolved in the way it did and was not about coming out but was just about like them being them
2: yeah I wanted to make it very seamless too because like honestly I I'm gonna be very honest like I didn't have a plan to do that but like it just felt really right um for them to come out and be them um and so I wanted to like be able to showcase that and of course like Ray and Daxon and everyone and even Rosie like they're, they're not going to care. They're gonna love Eli for Eli. And so I wanted to showcase that as well.
3: I think okay, our so last, excited. but definitely not least fun question, Abby. Um, okay. Um, since you mentioned fanfics,
1: what's your favorite fanfic? my gosh. Stop. You can do a top three if you would like.
2: Okay. Well, okay. So anything Dramoni, right? How do you, I don't even know how to say their names together, but I'll, I'll go with that. Um, so Manacled, of course, um, wait, what's the Omegaverse one? I don't remember the name. I told you I'm really bad at names.
3: Omegaverse one? Oh my God. (laughs) You haven't
2: read the Omegaverse one? Stop. No.
3: I'm sorry. Now you
2: know what you're doing the rest of the weekend. You have to read it. I'm telling you. Let me see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna search it up. Okay. Um, Because it's, it's great. It's spicy it's like hits all the feels it's
1: a a Dermine effect yeah um yeah we have an entire sub genre of listeners who read Dermine Fantics as like its own um like sub hobby of reading so yeah yeah great to know
2: yeah no um on AO3 I'll, I'll have to find it somewhere I can't find it right now but it It hits all the right spots. Um, There's been a lot of people rediscovering it on TikTok. So I'm sure if you just search up Dramoni or Dramini, you'll see it uh, there very fast. But honestly, too, for a while, I don't remember any of the names. I'm not going to lie to you. I was really into like dark Hermione like type stuff. And I was like, why does she have to be the golden girl? You know, like, can't she just like
0: get out of that? (laughs) You will love, if you like that, you will love Bring Him to His Knees if you haven't read it.
2: I may have well, let me see I'm gonna search on
0: Halo 3 right now see if I read it it's me and Ken's on the pod like we had like a whole like weekend where we just talked about that fan fiction mm-hmm. and we both plan to get it bound into like a real book because we just need it mm-hmm. in our lives that badly that's <laughs> funny like I need it as a on my trophy shelf like I,
2: I love that let me well, see oh well, I, well, I haven't well, read this Okay. Oh, oh you will I know love it. I know what I love
0: it okay. it's also it's also um published as an audiobook on Spotify really yeah because like it only has the first I think 18 chapters and I think there's mm-hmm. 30 mm-hmm. But the narrator is actually really great and the way she talks through the spice like I, there's a couple times where I was like I can't listen to this I'm into this. All right. But like I know what I'm can't. doing after this. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. I'm i like anyone I talk to, I'm like, you need to read it. It's so good.
2: Yeah. But honestly, like at some sometimes I'll just like scroll through the AO3 tags, like just looking for a new one and just try and binge whatever. Honestly, like at this point, that is canon in my mind. <laughs> like
3: you oh, can't 100%. convince me otherwise. <laughs> right. Um, okay. Well, I think that's it frog. for all of our questions I guess like was there anything else like we didn't talk about that you wanted to talk about or like any questions you had for us or anything before we wrap up no I mean I don't think I have any questions
2: for you guys or there's nothing that we didn't cover we covered quite a bit we um, about a lot. <laughs> all good but things. no it was great it was good um I don't think I have anything else but I'm totally open for any other questions you may have
0: Well, we could take this last like moment to kind of like roll out the red carpet for you. Like hype yourself up. Tell the people who you are, what's coming out. What any oh new, gosh. like I know you have a couple of releases coming, tell the people where they can find you. I also have like all your ads and social <laughs> uh, show notes, but
2: I appreciate it. I'm not good at hyping you.
0: myself up, but I will talk about my releases. So
2: we have Price of Silence for coming out later this month, that'll be on Amazon and on Kindle Unlimited. Um, I'm trying to get audiobooks made for Price of Silence. Silence as well. So that's going to come out later this year, as well as an audiobook for The Ties That Bind Us. Um, the other releases that I have this year, there's actually going to be quite a lot if I can swing it. <laughs> um, I have, I'm redoing Contract Bound, uh, redoing like a lot of it. So that's actually what I'm doing right now. And I'm almost finished with it. And so once that's done and off to the editor, I'm going to put a pre-order link and just gonna not really spoiler but it'll come out soon which is I'm actually gonna be making it into a series Uh, that was one of the most like highly requested things so I'm gonna be making it into a series and then even later this year I'm going to be possibly publishing another spin-off for Winterfell Academy um but I'm keeping that one kind of under wraps. That's all anyone knows about it right now. No cover reveals, no blurb or anything. So that's gonna come. And then of course I have two more releases for my contemporary pen name. And I don't know how everyone's gonna feel about it, but there is some like, I guess taboo to it which is i really want a stepmom romance and i really want a step romance because i cannot find it the way i want it so i'm going to write it and i'm going to publish it in my contemporary pen name but that's all going to be on amazon all going to be under kindle unlimited and if you have an instagram or tiktok it's elmay books for both of them
3: well it has been an absolute pleasure chatting you. with you um <laughs> You may or may not get panicked texts on February 22nd.
2: (laughs) Definitely message me. I want to know what you guys think about it. There's a lot that goes into it and I won't spoil anything, but I don't think you guys will know where this one's going. It'll be very clear. Like in the first like few chapters, you'll be like, what, what happened? I thought. So yeah, I'm definitely curious.
0: Well, those are my
3: favorite and I'm extremely excited. Um, And yeah, I guess just thank you again. And thanks to everyone for listening. Go follow Elmay Books um, and Eden Rose Books on Instagram and TikTok.
2: (laughs) Thank you so much. It was a pleasure, really.
1: All right, so that's a wrap. Um, Please rate, review, subscribe um, on whatever podcast form that you listen to us on. And also um, follow us at Valkyries After Dark on Instagram or TikTok and subscribe to our email list also, if you want to be able to send us any of your comments, arguments, questions, concerns um, to our email, that's ValkyriesAfterDark at gmail.com. See you later. Mm-hmm.